doing some amazing things in our house. Yeah. Amen. Lord, we just bless it to continue. <clears throat> There's a deep word, too, that he's been speaking to me in the last couple weeks, and it's this word rest. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's an intercessory thing. It's got some prophetic elements to it, but it's an intercessory thing. He's been showing me that uh, there's so many people in our body and beyond, but he's been specifically burdening me for this house uh, that are dealing with some craziness. <clears throat> and I know it can be funny to say, to say that word, and, but I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I get it but I'm not feeling the funny in it. It's, it's been really, really crazy where marriages have been shaken like they've never been shaken before. Relationships are strained like they've never been strained before. Where the inner turmoils in our hearts are just rising up to a new fervor that they've never had before. And he's just speaking rest to this body. He's speaking rest to our marriages, rest to our relationships, rest to our individual souls. Jesus, in speaking to a group of Jews who were used to being under the heavy yoke of the law, he says in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He's talking directly to a group of Jews but he's also talking to us, anybody that's experiencing that heaviness and that craziness, the lack of rest that cannot be found anywhere outside of Christ. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You need to know what that word rest means. It's translated from the Greek, the original language the Bible's written in, the word, the English word rest coming from the Greek word anapausis. You need to know that. The prefix ana means up, increase. Pausis comes from, is where we derive our word pause. And when Jesus is inviting this group of people and us too into his rest, he's saying, I want to increase the rest, the easy yoke of the, the reality of my yoke on you. I want to increase and have you pause in that and rest in that continually. And there was silence for the space of 30 minutes. <laughs> and you see how... It's a big deal. <clears throat> the author of Hebrews writes this to another group of Jews who know well that their ancestors were not able to enter into the rest, the promised land, because of the hardness of their hearts. And the author tells this group of Jews, he's writing them, and he's in that letter, he's telling them, he's referring to this situation where they were not able to enter into the rest. And he says this, considering them, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. 
On the surface, we might think it's the same word that Jesus uses. Anaposis, increased rest. But in fact, it's the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying. It's this word, kataposis. The prefix kata means down. Posis, as we just learned, is, from, is the pause, the rest. There's a certain level of deception that these Hebrews, that the author is writing to in the book of Hebrews, have been operating under. There's a certain place they've been finding rest, or wanting to find rest, even as believers. These are the Hebrew people that are messianic. They have given their faith to Jesus. It says throughout the scripture, refers to them as holy brethren in the book of Hebrews. Holy brethren, they're enlightened. They've become partakers of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the good word of God. These are believers, and they're struggling. They're struggling with a deception and trying to find rest in something else. There's some craziness that's going on in this generation that the Hebrew author is writing to. They're likely in Italy, and they've likely been expelled from the land by the emperor Claudius because there's too much disruption going on. So if that's not crazy enough that they're uprooted from their homes, go, leave. There's this famine that a prophet named Agabus speaks and foretells, and it's happening in these days, it says, in the book of Acts, during the days of Claudius as emperor. So they're having trouble finding food. When the book of Hebrews, the author refers to the old generation, they were quarreling, they were rebelling, they were testing God, saying, God, meet me on my terms. Come on, believers. Show up this way, God, because this is the only way you can show up. Thank God he doesn't, amen? There's a place that they're finding rest that needs to come down. And there's a place in Jesus of finding rest that needs to come up. That is the definition of repentance. Where I exchange what I've been looking at that's outside of Christ, looking for rest in all the wrong places, for what is in Christ, the truth. In him, in him alone is rest. The comfort, the calm, the peace that he provides. Jesus, in a beautiful example of his power over nature, gives us a picture of no matter what storm we're facing, he says, peace be still, and the storm calms. He's saying that to us today. I said he's saying that to us today. Peace be still. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give, my, give you rest. Take the yoke that you've been wearing off and put my yoke on. I want to show you a picture. Some of you may remember this picture. It's in 2006, and this is Ted Haggard and his wife Gail. And this is November of 2006, where it has just come out these rumors that Ted has been sexually immoral as a lead pastor of a large church. Furthermore, he's been involved with illicit drugs. 
And so this reporter sticks her microphone in the car past Gail and is trying to get information from Ted. And she's just pestering him with questions. And he says some things. If you, if I, I remember seeing this interview. He says some things that later come to pass that are not true. He's lying. And in the days and the months that follow, it comes out that, yes, indeed, he has committed sexual immorality on more than one occasion, and that he is, indeed, taking illicit drugs. And so, as you might imagine, he's seeking forgiveness from the Lord. He's pressured to, or at least that's what we're told. I don't know, Ted. I just assume the best. But his wife is very hurt at this. She has a book called Why I Stayed in Her Marriage. And in that book, she details the reason she stayed. I had to determine who I am and who I am going to be in this story of our crisis and our fellowship life and our, and our future life together. We are all in a story that God, if we let him, is not only the author of, but the finisher of. Sometimes we try to author our own pages. We get off his book. And he starts speaking to us and pulling us back so that he can finish that work which he's begun. Because he's a faithful God, amen? He's true. He's patient with us. She goes on to say this, because I so believe that God is who he says he is and that Jesus does empower us to do the things he has taught us to do, I decided absolutely I am going to forgive my husband. This is a more recent picture of them. This intercessory burden that I'm feeling for for our house, I'm seeing the temptations for people to leave marriages, for people to change the script that God has started writing and go back, just like the Jews wanted to go back to their comfort zone, go back to alcohol, find my comfort in the arms of another person. All the very, I just, I'm feeling this, very, this heavy, the, the various ways that those ideas come into our he- heads and, our, and, and start to enter into our hearts, where it's just a pull, it's even a compulsion to go in the way that we know we shouldn't. And God is saying, come unto me and find my rest. I want to go deeper than the pain. I want to go deeper than you're letting me go. You don't need to get a counterfeit. You don't need to rewrite the book and the story of your life. I can finish it in a beautiful way. I'm so thankful that he gives me what I need, not what I want. But he's finding me and he's calling me and he's pushing me and I hope he's doing it for you. 
to that place where what I want is what I need because I'm abiding in him. My want matches the need. There's nothing... (laughs) When the psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than me. That rock is Jesus Christ, and there is no other foundation. David says in the Psalms, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock. He only is my salvation. I shall not be greatly moved. There's a place of rest on his rock, under his easy yoke, that we don't move. It comes through repentance. This is a more current picture of Tag Haggard. Again, I don't know details. I just know that God loves him, and therefore, I must love him. And I actually do. He started another church four years after he left the first one. That church, I believe it was called St. James Church, dissolved a short time ago. And he had, again, a recurrence of allegations of sexual immorality in that church. It's important for us to know, not every Greek word, I don't know every Greek word, but it's important for us to know what anaposis is, that increase of the pause. When Jesus is writing in Matthew chapter 12, he tells us the way demons work, and we don't need to be demonologists. We need to focus on Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and he takes care of the rest. But he gives us this picture of how demons work in Matthew 12. Beginning in 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, seeking anaposis, seeking a place where he can increase, the demon can increase his rest in a host. He finds none, but he's still seeking rest. The demon says, I will return to my house, the one that I was just come out of and from which I came, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. There's some things in between there, but that's the essence of what he's saying. I'm just saying, there's some of us that have a compulsion to do certain things, and until we let Jesus go deeper than the pain, We're not only in a flesh state, a mindset of doing these things because we've become physiologically addicted to whatever it is, whatever we're looking at, whatever we're ingesting, whatever it is. But there's a spiritual truth to it. As much as Jesus wants to increase his rest in us, there's demons that want to increase their rest in occupying our our minds and our hearts. Don't misunderstand me. I'm I'm not using the word possessed. Because in our modern-day vernacular, that implies they have control. I'm just saying what Jesus said to believers. They have an influence on us at times, and they have more influence when we give them a place to rest. My heart aches, brothers and sisters. The, The more I continue in my journey as a son, and the more I mature as a son, 
the more I think of others and consider others, and I just feel Jesus' intercessory burden at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us, that he wants to set us free. He says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What you're hearing today is a bondage-breaking message to get out of the rest that we've been in and to step into the rest that we're supposed to be in. It's a perpetual increase settling underneath his presence, beneath his glory, always being with him no matter what the circumstance is. No matter what my wife says, no matter what my husband says, no matter what my children are doing, no matter what's happening at work, my bank account, my health, I failed again. All of it, my past, present, and future, every part of my being, spirit, soul, and body coming into his rest. Praise God. It's an anaposis and a cataposis, and up in his rest and a decrease in the rest in other places. This week, my sister's been with us. And I have loved our time together. It's been so good. She interrupted me this, when this picture was taken. I'm so into, I'm type A. I'm so into my stuff. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's talk. Um, and she, she was so patient. We don't have to. I know you're busy. Like, no, this is good. I think Jesus is in this. And she shared with me a story, which I think is very germane to this message. The message from God that he's speaking to our hearts. And I talked with her earlier, and she said she's willing to come share that, her testimony. So I want to invite her up, if you would, just to honor her as she comes. about how you started talking to yourself in the mirror. Oh gosh. Yeah. She's not nuts. <laughs> I might be a little bit. I don't I'm like whatever. <laughs> but just just like what led up to that and then okay. some of the testimony thereafter. All right. So last January I had been through I don't know so much stuff and I was like I really believed that there was something inherently built in my belief system about myself. And I was like, I really don't like me. I really am ashamed of me. I really don't like things about me. And I wouldn't have said those things, but I knew I believed them because of how I could, I couldn't look in the mirror without saying like cringing. <laughs> so, um, but I didn't want to fake it till I make it. Cause I really don't agree with that message. I'm like, I'm not going to say something I don't believe. So, I had started, I mean, we're talking years before that, where I just believed. I'm like, I started questioning. I must be wrong because your word says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But when I look in th at that mirror, I don't see it. So either you're the liar or I'm the liar. And so I started believing that truth. I'm lying to myself. Somewhere deep inside, I'm believing lies constantly. So, I, so January, I was like, <laughs> I looked in the mirror, I'm like, you're beautiful. Ugh. You're wonderful. 
I love you. Okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, two months goes by, and I'm like, I love you, you're beautiful, you're wonderful. No cringing, okay, we're getting somewhere. A few more months goes by. My hair color started changing. It started going darker. <laughs> but six months more go by. And I mean, I'm practicing this on the daily. I'm reminding myself who he says I am. I'm speaking it over myself. I say it in the mirror a lot because I have four sons. I homeschool. We live on a mountain. And I don't get any alone time. So the bathroom is my moment. So I love you. You're beautiful. You're wonderful because he says you are. You're amazing. Look at what you did. You had babies. You had C-sections. You've done all of these things. You're just incredible. And and then, and so six more months went, so it was like a year goes by, and all of a sudden my hair starts, it's like I had gray in the temples, and it started disappearing. <laughs> so I was like, what is up with this? I said, Jeff, look at my hair. It's like, it's darker. And it's like, I'm like, I know. What is, I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't expecting that. Then six, and six more months go by, and I dropped 10 pounds. And I'm like, I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't expecting that. We, it wasn't until I got here that I looked at, I was like expecting triggers. Because you go home, you go away for some time, and you come back, and it's like trigger, trigger, trigger. I was like, I don't have the hang-ups. I don't have the hang-ups. So, but it was, I had no idea what it would start when I start, started understanding the belief that, oh, my eyes must be liars. My circumstances must be the liar. My understanding, my experiences, they must be the liar because they're disagreeing with what he says. Yeah. Yeah. So, is that good? Yeah. Is that good? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Jesus. Woo. There's a lot of places that we look for rest that are just a lie. those inner turmoils, and he's just pulling us in. And there's nothing you've done, there's nothing that's been done to you that can separate you from his love. Not death, not life, not height, not lowness, nothing. Angels, principalities, or powers. There's nothing that separates us from his love. And he confesses, and I declare it now, his love never fails. He is a loving God that wants to give us loving rest. When I speak this message and share this message, I shared a lot of what I shared today, last night. Some more stuff came out today. But I feel so small. I was feeling it in our brother Jim's class today, too, as he's teaching about the tabernacle, which has been a wonderful. Finding your deeper walk with Christ is an awesome, awesome thing, awesome series that we've had available for everybody. And I just thank you for sharing, Jim, in that, that message. But I just feel so small because this is something that has, God has wanted for us from the dawn of time. When Adam and Eve, before Genesis 3, before the fall, when they were with God, they were home. They were at rest. And since the fall, mankind has been wanting that rest, they've been hungry for it looking for it desperately. And we see it. (laughs) Since 2017, I just happened upon this. Since 2017, there's been over 400 worldwide major protests in in our world. From Brazil to Afghanistan, America, 
all over. And we can look on the surface and we can see, oh, I don't like the rioting. I don't like the looting. I definitely do not agree that that's biblical, what they're standing for. And you know what? You might be right. (laughs) You just might be right. God doesn't want to, he's not sanctioning mayhem. But the depth of what God is after is the heart. And people that are protesting and doing all these things, they may be doing wrong and they they probably need to stop in a lot of cases. They do. (laughs) But God is still after the heart and they're desperately searching for rest. They're searching for a home. And if we're honest, we wouldn't point the finger of judgment at them. We'd look at the plank in our own eye and how many times we fall short of the rest that he's called us into. If we're honest and we'd admit it, you know what? I get mad about some things too. And if it weren't for a certain set of guard posts in my life, I might be acting out too. (laughs) I'm not justifying acting out at all. (laughs) Hear what I'm saying. (laughs) Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. I think I just shared that a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Let it rest. Pun intended. What I'm saying is there's a desperation in all of us to find home. To find our rest in Jesus. And I'm so glad, I'm so blessed that this house continues to be a conduit for his rest. Many come in and they receive his rest in a new and fresh way. I'm still feeling it for many of us that have still not tapped into the fullness of it. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to do communion. You know, one of the things that gets in the way of me receiving his rest is not understanding the nature of his rest. We get a picture of it when he's leading the children of Israel. A cloud by day and a fire by night. When that cloud moves, when that fire moves, they move. There's a flow to the kingdom of heaven. There's a rhythm to the kingdom of heaven. Just like Jesus exemplified, Father, whatever I see you doing, I am doing. I do whatever I see you doing. And sometimes I'm up here, so to speak, And Jesus is telling me to come down here. And sometimes I'm down here, and the rest cloud, if you will, is saying, come up here. That's the thing that is my biggest struggle as a Christian, as a son. I still have these pesky expectations about what his rest looks like. I'm breaking through. And as I'm preaching, there's a bondage-breaking anointing on this message, I'm telling you. Rest is accessible. I just want to leave a minute. We're going to do this quickly. Because the Holy Spirit says cataplasis to me. Settle down. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I bless your power to be manifest as we partake and remember 
Jesus paid the price for our pain so that we don't have to look anywhere for fake rest, so that we can find our rest truly in Jesus. By your power and your grace, Holy Spirit, let it be as we partake. In Jesus' name.